You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, unafraid witness, and uncommon community. If you have yet to do so, we would love to have you join us for worship in God's Word on Sunday mornings. For more information, visit us online at harvestniagara.ca. Thanks for listening. power of your spirit, you would uh, prepare our hearts, you would work in us, that we would listen carefully to what is said, but Father, we would understand and then, Father, seek to live by faith to honor our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we pray these things in his precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can take your seats. And uh, while you're doing that, um, why don't you uh, get your Bibles out and open them up to Matthew chapter 1 as... uh, we take a look at a message that I believe is an important piece as we uh, think about the Christmas season. Um, things aren't always as you think they are. Things aren't always as you think they are. You know, you watch people, you see them driving around in their Lexus and their big house, and you think, they must be rich. And then if you saw their bank account and their statement and their mortgage, you knew that they are just on the verge of of going under, right? Things aren't always as you think they are. Um, Maybe um, you see a couple come to church with their kids and they come in and they sit down and the little children are little angels and you think, boy, I wish my kids were like that. And, And you don't realize what happened in the car on the way to church. These things aren't always as you think they are. Um, the Christmas story is a little bit like that. You know, in the, in the Gospel of Luke, in Luke chapter 2, we hear about the birth of Jesus Christ, and, and it says, and, and Mary brought forth her firstborn son and, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. It just seems to be kind of matter of fact what is going on there. Um, but things aren't always as you think they are. Because behind that, behind that what seems just so straightforward description by Luke of what has happened, there is an awesome story that is being accomplished. There is a Savior who is coming to the world. There is going to be the redemption of mankind. There's going to be the taking care of my sin. There's going to be hope for eternal life. But you can't see that if all you see is a little baby in the manger because things aren't always as they as you see them, they aren't always as they seem to be. Um, and so I want us to take a look today at a message that really gets us focused on the what's going on behind the scenes. Really, if I was to call it this, it's about the glory. This is a message about the glory. This is a message about the wow of Christmas. Now, it is a wow story. If you're a mom and you've had a baby and you think what Mary went through, you're kind of like, Wow. Like, that's just weird how that all happened, because we have hospitals and all the rest. But this wow is far greater than this. This wow is about the glory of Christmas. This wow is about what's really been accomplished at Christmas. In Psalm 57, verse 5, it says, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. Let your glory be over all of the earth. Um, The uh, shorter catechism says the chief end of man is what? Is to glorify God, is to glorify God and and to enjoy him forever. Well, our purpose in life is to bring glory to God. We see that coming in the work of Jesus Christ in his coming at Christmas. 
And so we want to focus out of really one quick thought out of Matthew chapter 1. So if you've got your Bibles, would you stand with me as we read God's Word? I'm going to start at verse 18. Let's stand together and I'll read for you this, this account of the birth of Jesus Christ. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Thank you. You can take your seats. They'll call his name Emmanuel, God with us. This wasn't just a baby that's arriving on the scene. There were other babies, maybe even in Bethlehem, that were born on that night. Um, this is far more. This is Emmanuel. This is God with us. This is God incarnate on the earth. And we need to take hold of that during this Christmas season, maybe like never before. As you, as you think about your plans and how they're being disrupted, it seems like every day your plans are being disrupted. What are we going to be able to do? What aren't we going to be able to do? How are we going to have family over? Maybe we can't have family over. I was talking to somebody this morning. They were saying, maybe we're just going to have a wiener roast outside in the backyard with whoever we can get from our family to be there so that we can stay on site. All of those things are going on, and they're all distractions from what the real purpose of Christmas is. The purpose of Christmas is Jesus Christ has come. The purpose of Christmas is Emmanuel is here. The purpose of Christmas is the one who would pay the price for our sins so we could have redemption has arrived on the earth scene, and, and we need to get our eyes. I need to get my eyes fixed more and more on that, and I do that when I see God in his glory. A glory is all over the Christmas story. In John 1, in verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh, that's Christmas, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Mary, as she's hearing about the fact that she will be the mother of the Savior, she says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. In Luke chapter 2, the angels, it says, um, in chapter 2, verses 13 and 14, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And the shepherds, the shepherds, after they see Jesus, they meet him. They come uh, to the, the manger. They meet Jesus Christ and says, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. And the wise men show up sometime later, and it says, And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and they worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
Emmanuel, God with us. Mary glorifies God. The angels glorify God. The shepherds glorify God. The wise men, they, they worshiped God. Glory happens when we get a glimpse of who God is. Glory happens when we get our eyes off of our agenda and the things that we're about and seek to get our eyes on what God is about. You know, God is not made any bigger if I glorify him or not. Right? God, God is already filled and filled with glory. So my glory to God doesn't make him any bigger. Um, we glorify him because he already is bigger. He already is awesome. And one of the focuses I believe I need for this Christmas in the midst of all of the other stuff going on is get my eyes fixed on what God has accomplished in this great work at Christmas. Get our eyes fixed on the glory of God. Today, I want to do that in three ways. When you think about three things, when you think about glory, here's the first one. Glory makes God big. Glory makes God big. Do you make God big in your life? Is God big in your stories? If you were to go through, somebody was to go through and do an evaluation of your life over this last week, how big would they see your God in that story? See, that's what glory does. Glory makes God big. Um, well, how do we do that? Well, you, you do that as you examine who God is in his character. You make God big. Um, you could talk about it in lots of different ways you could see it. You could see it through his attributes. God has two different kinds of attributes. There are attributes that are incommunicable. And we'll come to the other ones in just a second because the words are so hard for me. I don't want to say them wrong. So they're incommunicable attributes of God. What does that mean? Those are attributes of God that are his alone, and we can't have them in any way. We don't have them in any way. So here's, here's a few of them. I won't do them all, but here's a few of them. Um, God is infinite. God is without measure or limit in scope or duration. God is infinite. Here's another one. God is omnipotent. God is all-powerful. And when you think about God, you should be making God big because of what he does and the way he works. And he is all-powerful. Somebody said, um, can God do anything? And then they would say something like this. Can God make a rock so big that he can't lift it? Okay, when you ask a stupid question, you will get a stupid answer. Right? When you ask the question wrong, you will always get the wrong answer. God is omnipotent in that he can do anything that can be done. Can God make a square circle? No. No. But God can do anything that can be done. Because he is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. He spoke, and the world came into, into being. He, he spoke by this word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. There was nothing that wasn't made by him talking about Jesus Christ. God is omnipotent. God is omnipotent. God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. God is omniscient. Now, my dad, I think, sometimes thought he was omniscient because the way he would talk, he was like, like I got this figured out, right? So, but we all kind of knew he wasn't really omniscient. He didn't really know everything. And uh, um, I think I've caught some of that with my kids when they were growing up. And it's like, no, you're not omniscient. So just get that out of the way. You're not. You don't know. You hardly know anything. God knows everything that there is to be known. 
Now, we need to make God big because he knows the beginning from the end. He understands what you're going through. He knows your struggle. In his omnipotence and his omniscience and his omnipresence, he goes with us through whatever we go through, and we need to get our eyes fixed on that. We need to be making God big in those things. We need to make God big in those things. God is self-existent. You know, the fact that you have another heartbeat, the fact that you have another um, uh, breath is because God is self-sufficient. That's the God. God is sovereign. God is supreme. He is absolutely right to do whatever he desires for his creation. And so those are the incommunicable, some of them, attributes of God. But then there are communicable attributes of God. And those are the attributes that we can be a part of. Be holy as I am holy. Here's some things that you can be doing, making God big, where he has it as an attribute, and you can be growing in this in your life. Here's a few of them. God is good. God is good. Um, No man is good. No one can say they're good. All of us have fallen short of the glory of God. But we can do good things. The world people do good things. Um, and so we can model after God. We can mimic God in that sense by being good. Um, here's another one. We can be uh, people who are uh, filled with grace. Um, we are people who are filled with grace. People who are giving what is not deserved. That's what grace was for us in our salvation. For by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift from God where we can be pouring out and we be giving what's undeserved. And we can be people who are filled with mercy who are not giving what we, the people do deserve. Um, do, do you demonstrate those things in your life? Are, are you making God big in the, who he is in his character as you talk to your kids around this Christmas season, as you talk to coworkers, as you talk to friends, as you talk to people in your small group? Do we get our eyes on Emmanuel? Glory belongs to God. A couple of others. God is just. Um, God is filled with knowledge. God has wisdom. Am I making God big? See, if we glorify God, our desire is to make him big, make him big in his creation, make him big through his miracles, make his big, him big through the word, make him big through the son of God. Do you make God big in your life? His name will be called Emmanuel. And as these people in the Christmas story all see him, they're like, whoa, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Help me, God. Help me to do that more. Help me to do that more in my life. Um, Glory makes God big. Here's the next thing. Glory makes him known. Makes him known. It's not just so much about knowing all those things, but then wanting to get that word out onto the street. When, When we are overwhelmed by the glory of God, we want to communicate. The shepherds left glorifying God and saying, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God. They were they were now telling the story. They were telling the story. Um, As you think about this Christmas season, are we telling the story? Are we just like, it's 2020, can we just get past this and maybe 2021 will get better? No, no, the best news for the world is coming, Jesus Christ, and what came in the form of a baby will eventually end up with the Son of God on the cross so we can have eternal life. We've got the greatest news there is. The glory of God will bring us to the place of wanting to make him known I love what 1 Chronicles 16, 28, 29 says. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the people, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. 
God's name is worthy of glory. And then it goes on and says, bring an offering and come before him. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. So there's kind of two parts to that. He says, ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name. So we make him known. Why do we make him known? Because he deserves it. It's due to his name. This word ascribe is not some passive little word that just, you know, yeah, yeah, if you feel like it, you might say put in a good word for him. This is like, no, no, this is front and center in your life. Ascribe to the Lord. Ascribe to the Lord. The glory do his name. I, I'm always amazed that the guys in like Chronicles Old Testament, they wrote all this stuff, not knowing the end. They didn't know. They didn't understand. The Savior hadn't come. The price hadn't been paid. The gift of eternal life wasn't offered like we understand it. And yet this guy in Chronicles is writing, ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. How much more for you and I who understand the end? How much more for you and I who understand the birth, the life, the death of Jesus Christ that we would ascribe to him the glory that's due his name? Shame on me. Shame on us. If we don't give God the glory that's due to his name. The second part in that verse says, and bring an offering. And bring an offering. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Bring an offering. Bring an offering. Bring a sacrifice to God in your worship to him, in your giving him the glory. Ascribe to the Lord the glory to his name. Bring an offering and come, and come before him. God, help me. Help me to do those things. Help me to make him known. Help me to see. Help me to ascribe. Well, how can I do that? Here's three very simple ways you can do it. We, we ascribe to the Lord. We, we make him known by uh, speaking words of praise and adoration. Um, Psalm 75, one says, we give thanks to you, O God. We give thanks for your name is near. We recount your wondrous deeds. 1 Peter 4.11, whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. So in the midst of a difficult season, difficult in so many different ways. Your difficulties might have nothing to do with what's going on in a pandemic. Your difficulties might have to do with the health of a loved one or, or a job that seems to be pretty precarious right now and, and just the struggle of all these. Are you fixing your eyes on the one who deserves the praise and the glory? The way that one way that we can make him known is by being people of praise, being people of thanksgiving. Do you think the God who has brought you this far is about to leave you in the ditch now? No, he's going to be faithful. He's going to work. He might do it through people in this church to help and support and encourage you, but, but he's going to do it. He's going to provide for you. Be filled with praise. Be filled with thanksgiving. That's a way you can make him known. Be make him known in your worship. Make him known in your worship. Um, and we need to be people who are more and more with our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ, seeking to lift him up in the way we worship God. Worship here, 
Worshiping your private worship, but how about worship in your family? of Dads, moms, as you lead your kids in worship, that, that they would see the glory of God, see his faithfulness in, in their, and working in your family, in their lives. Make, make him known and make him known in your humility. Make him known in the way you tell the stories that he must increase, I must decrease. That was the story of John as, as he sees Jesus Christ baptizing more people than, than he is and his followers are like, what's going on with that guy over there? And, and John's like, no, 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 Jesus Christ, he must increase. He must increase, I must decrease. So against our Western culture, right? Our Western culture is all about, I must be ahead, I must be in the limelight, I must be first. And God's like, no, 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 no. He must be first. He must be first. Make him known in your willingness to come under and submit and allow others and, and ministry and all the rest to be lifted up and let him increase. Glory makes God big. Glory will help us make him known. Here's the third one. Glory making me different. The glory of God will make you different. I like the way uh, John Piper summarizes it. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. As see, seeing the glory of God makes me different. When I see Jesus Christ on the throne, when I see God lifted up, it will make me different. Remember Isaiah 6, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord and holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And what does he do? Flat on his face before the Lord, on his face, crying out to God. Why? Because God deserves the glory. He deserves to be lifted up. And when I see God in his glory, it makes me different. It makes me different. Somebody way smarter than me came up with 17 biblical ways to glorify God in your life. And you're like, oh no. Oh no. He's going to give us 17 things? Yeah, no, I'm going to give you the ones I think are probably the most applicable to me. And, uh, and maybe the most applicable to you as well. But if we are to be people of God who are glorifying God, we're going to be different as a result. When you see God through the lens of who he is and what he's done, you want to be different. You want to live for his glory. So here's a few. Um, the first thing is we glorify God when we aim purely at his glory. I'm, I'm going to make it a priority of my life to aim at the glory of God. Uh, John 8:50. I seek not my own glory. This is what Jesus said. But the glory of him who sent me. How much more for us? That we be people who are fixed on getting our eyes on, I want God's glory in my life. I want God to be first in my life. You've got to make a decision about that. You've got to decide it's not going to be about me. It's not going to be about my stuff. It's not going to be about, do I have the best job? It's not going to be, do I have all the toys? It's going to be, I want to be about God's glory. When people think about me, I want them to think about, man, God was working in that guy's life. God was working in her life. They were careful to give God the glory for what was going on. It makes me different. It makes me different. We glorify God when we sincerely confess our sin. We make God first. We make him the priority. If we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all and all kinds of unrighteousness. 
We, we glorify God when we search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me. Why? Because he deserves the glory. I don't deserve the glory. He deserves the glory. Reveal those things to me. In Joshua 7, 9, says, Then Joshua said to Achan, this is after they'd gone into the land, remember, they'd been in Jericho, and, and this guy steals some stuff he wasn't supposed to, and he hides it. And they go into the next battle, and they get beaten. And eventually, it's determined that it was Achan who had done these things. And in Joshua 7, 9, then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord God of Israel and give praise to him. Tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And so this is Joshua calling out Achan in his sin. How much more before God that we would come? And, and God's saying, don't hide it from me. Don't hide it from me. Achan, Achan already had been, been known what had happened. Joshua kind of already knew what was going on. But how much more do I do that with God sometimes? It's like, Somehow we think, like, I can sin and God doesn't really see it. Somehow God's really not omniscient. He's just really not. He's really not omnipresent because he was over there watching that guy mess up in his life, so he wasn't over here watching me mess up in my life. Um, we glorify God when we sincerely confess our sin. That brings God glory. Because it puts him on the throne and takes me off of the throne. Unconfessed sin is because I really don't believe I need to deal with this. My pride is ruling and, and confessing of sin understands who is on the throne and who is first. Here's another one. This one's cool. Many of you have already done this one. We glorify God when we believe by faith. You realize you glorified God the day that you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That day when you came to the brokenness of your own sinfulness and came to the place of, I am so messed up, I am so far separated from God, there is nothing I can do about it, and you, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves is a gift of God, not of works so that no one can boast. The, when you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you gave glory to God because you said, I am not the answer to my problems. God is the only answer, and I'm yielding myself to him. I'm giving myself over to him. And you set aside your pride. You set aside your arrogance. You set aside everything you thought you were, and you said, no, I'm going all in with Jesus Christ. I'm going to trust him him. And God got the glory. And if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, the purpose of Christmas was not about Santa Claus and the gifts that he brings on a chimney on coming down on the 25th. The purpose of Christmas is Jesus Christ. The purpose of Jesus is the incarnation, which leads to the life, which leads to the cross, which leads to the resurrection, which leads to the hope that we have when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You don't work for it. You don't earn it. You certainly don't deserve it. Neither did I. And God offered us that gift and he gave us that gift in Jesus Christ. How cool is it that when I admitted my sin and put my trust in Jesus Christ, not only was I saved, but God was glorified. That's cool. We glorify God when we bear spiritual fruit. We glorify God when we bear spiritual fruit. In John 15, 8, it says, By this my Father is glorified, what? That you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. We, we accept Christ. We are saved by faith alone, in Christ alone. That's how we're saved. 
But we demonstrate our salvation. Our, our salvation is proven by the fruit that's in our lives. The thing that, that we are different as a result. When you trust Jesus Christ, it makes me different. When you see the glory of what God has done, it makes me different. And there has to be fruit if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. A follower, a person who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ and has zero fruit is not a follower of Christ. Now, do we go through hard seasons? Do we go through difficult times? Of course we do. We all do. But fruit is proof of your salvation. You ever heard somebody say you have to confront them on something in, in sin and they go, well, who are you to judge me? Who are you to judge me? I love it when people say, that. I'm zero. I got nothing to judge you. Um, who am I? But God's word will reveal. Um, I like to say it this way. I'm just a fruit inspector. I'm just a fruit inspector. Show me the fruit. Show me the fruit. Scripture says, by the way, you demonstrate, you demonstrate the glory of God by the fruit that you produce. We glorify God when we stand up for his truth. We stand up for the word of God. Not things out there that people are blabbering about and all the rest of it, but when we stand for what this book is about, we stand about what this means. We stand for the truth. In Jude um, Verse 3, it says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. He's like, you gotta, you gotta stand for the faith. You gotta stand for the word. You gotta stand for the truth. When we, when we stand for the truth of God, we bring glory to God. We glorify God when we praise him. We already talked about this a bit. Um, the one who offers thanksgiving as a sacrifice glorifies me. That's what Psalm 50, 23 says. The one who offers thanksgiving as a sacrifice glorifies me. Are you a person who's filled with thanksgiving? In the midst of the difficult things that we go through in life, do you find yourself coming back to, Lord, I am so thankful. Lord, I am so thankful. Lord, I am so thankful. God, who has been faithful in the past, is going to take us through the difficulties that we go through now and in the future. But if you aren't going back and remembering God's goodness and his faithfulness, because that gives God the glory. Here's one. You might not like this one too much, but we glorify God when we suffer for him. We glorify God when we suffer for him. In Acts 5, verse 41, it says, and they left the presence of the council rejoicing, listen to this, that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. Wow. I'm gonna read that for you again. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. When was the last time someone mocked you for being a follower of Jesus Christ? And you walked out the door. And on your way home, you had joy because you were like, I stood for the name of Jesus Christ. I stood for the name of Jesus Christ. I stood for the name of Jesus Christ. See, that's what brings glory to God. It wasn't easy for them. It's not like they woke up in the morning, oh, let's go that, let's go take a beating for Jesus. And they stood for the glory of God. 
And they rejoiced. Why? Because they were counted worthy that God would allow them to, to be a part of this journey. It brought glory to God. Uh, we live in a world right now, it's pretty simple for us as followers of Jesus Christ, that all this stuff going on with the pandemic and all the stuff that's going on about masks and all the stuff that's going on about all that stuff. That Nobody's telling me I can't preach. I said this the last time I was here. Nobody's telling me I can't preach the word. And I get there's all kinds of different opinions. That's not my, my purpose here. Suffer for the glory of Jesus Christ. Die on the right hills. Die for the word of God. Die for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Get our hope on the right things. Let's get our eyes on those balls and allow God to be working in our lives. And then when we come up against it and somebody ridicules you, it's like, how awesome is it that I would get to stand for Jesus Christ? And someone might mock me, someone might make fun of me, someone might. See, the day I believe is coming very soon in our nation where we're going to teach things about different lifestyles or whatever, and, and we're going to get called up on the carpet for those things. It's already starting to happen. And, and this writer goes, how awesome is it that I could be counted worthy to suffer for Jesus Christ for these things? So you want to bring glory to God? You want to bring glory to our Savior, Jesus Christ? We glorify him when we suffer for God. Here's two more. We glorify him when we, we give God the glory for all that we achieve. Do you hear that? When you give glory to God for what we achieve, because really, we don't really do much in this. We are faithful. We are ambassadors. We are God's representatives, and God uses us, and that's an amazing thing, but the reality is we need to give that glory back to God. In 1 Corinthians 15, 10, it says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. There was not I, but the grace of God that was in me. What's accomplished in this church is God given the glory. Uh, Sue and I've had the privilege to work with the elders here and for me to work with the elders here and serve them as you work through looking for a pastor and all the rest. And it's just been a huge blessing. I love coming to preach here. Not because you're so good looking or anything like that, because really you're not. But um, <laughs> I love to come here because I see God working in the midst of a difficult season in your church. Like you're having people coming in the door going like, what's this church about? We would like to be a part of this thing. Your finances are solid. People are coming to church. You got, you got two Christmas Eve services that are sold out. It's like God is doing a lot of things in a difficult time. And so here's the thing. Don't take the glory to yourself. Get your eyes fixed on Jesus Christ. Look what God is doing. Look what God is doing. Look what God is doing. And trust him for even more in the days that are ahead of you as a church. We, we glorify God when we give him the glory for what he is achieving. Last one, we glorify God when we live a holy life. Zealous for his name. First uh, Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellency of his name who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We glorify God when we live holy, desirous lives for his name. So here's the question, does the glory of God make you different? Made the angels Give glory to God. Made Mary cry out, I magnify the Lord. Who am I? She said, I magnify the Lord. Made the shepherds leave glorifying God. 
It made the wise men come and worship him. What difference is the glory of God making in your life? And the way I like to praise it in the so what of all of this, I, I think of Exodus 33, 18, where Moses said, God, please show me your glory. Uh, show me your glory. It's in the text. And before that part of the text, unless you go with us, Lord, Lord, show me your glory. God has shown us his glory in his son, Jesus Christ. As he has done that, is our response of followers of Jesus Christ, are you making God big? Are you making him known? Is he making you different as you live for the fame of your Savior, Jesus Christ, the Lord? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that it brings. We thank you for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the glory that is revealed in our Savior. God, help me, help us to be people who glorify you in what we do, in what we say, how we live, that we live for your fame. And as Paul wrote, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen.